Did not just spin. But you know, today's Mother's Day, right? It's a day to celebrate. But you know, you don't have to have a child to be a mother. Because mothering makes you a mother. And I think that's really important. I just want to say that really quick. But let's pray real quick. Father God, thank you for this time, Lord. Just bless what's going to be coming out today, Lord. May your name be glorified. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You got a question? You don't understand something? Ask. Don't worry. I say that when I'm speaking in Spanish churches because Peruvian Spanish is a lot different from Mexican Spanish or from Guatemala. And there's words that we say that they don't understand. The words that they say, we don't understand. And it's funny. There's words that they say that are swear words for us. <laughs> and I have friends who will say them just to see how I react to them, which is funny. <laughs> but God is good. You know, God, we look at it in... in Proverbs 31, it talks about what a good woman is. How she sacrifices for her family. And I think the way, the best way to sacrifice for your family is first you need to be Christ-centered. Because if Christ not the center of your life, how can you mother children? And I say, how can you mother children? Because some people can't have children. But they do have children, spiritual children. And there is mothering behind that. And you can do that when you're really Christ-centered. When Christ is king of your life. Because he helps you, he guides you to be an example of a Christian person so they can see what a Christian should be like. Amen? Amen. What I really want to say, just give you an idea, because it, it is funny that Jonathan, I guess that was kind of surprising that he, he found he had relatives here in, yeah. Oh, yeah, we in were. Roxborough. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of funny. But Jonathan came to us as a teenager, stayed with, lived with us for a while, and Lord, Christian, sorry, he became a Christian. Jonathan was baptized in the ocean. Wow. I even have a picture, by the way. I was in negocio. And so what was interesting is, is that since we live, we have a ministry called Changed by Love, because we figure it's the love of Christ that changes mm-hmm. people. You can't force people to become Christians. You have to show them the love of Christ. And that's what we try to do as a ministry, show the love of Christ. We're not perfect, we're just forgiven. You know, anyone's perfect is because they're in heaven. As, as long as we're walking here on earth, oh well. <laughs> you know? But God is good because he has grace for us. And he gives us that grace. I was talking to somebody today, I can't remember his name. It's like Niagara Falls. That's like the grace coming over. Mm. And it's true. That's what keeps the world going. Because it wasn't for God's grace, we wouldn't be here right now. So I want to kind of share a little bit about my testimony so you know, you're, so you know who I am. Which is really going to throw you for a loop, maybe. <laughs> My parents divorced when I was really young. So I learned what hunger was. Mm-hmm. I learned what it's like to go to bed hungry. People say, a lot of people say in South America, what do North Americans know about poverty? I do. I know what it's like having my tennis shoes and putting cards so my socks wouldn't get holes in them. Because my shoes had holes in them. I know what it's like being cold at night when I would sleep. I like to go to other people's homes because they had heating in their homes. We didn't. Mm-hmm. We just put another sweater on because mm-hmm. we couldn't afford to heat our home. True story. I remember my mother toasting one day and she was warming her hands over the toaster. I laugh now, but back then it wasn't so much to laugh about. So I know what it's like growing up suffering, you could say. And the funny thing is, I learned my Spanish. I never studied Spanish. I learned it by hearing. I had dyslexia. I don't know if you all know what dyslexia is, but trust me. you don't, I got D's in English. And I remember the Lord told me one day, you should learn Spanish. And I thought, are you kidding? <laughs> I said, I get D's in Spanish. I get D's in English. And learning another language, forget it. Mm-hmm. So I learned Spanish by hearing it. Because there's a few Bible verses that really stuck out in my brain. 
and I still use them to this day. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. It is so true. How can a boy from, from a broken home, literally a broken home, grow up to serve the Lord and have dyslexia and learn Spanish? Okay, I'll be on. You guys, that's my son and my nephew back there. Don't listen to what I'm going to say really quick, okay? <laughs> I'll be honest. When I go to some of the Mexican stores sometimes to buy something, they think I'm Peruvian. And sometimes I don't tell them I'm not. <laughs> but that's God's grace letting me learn a language. Because when you trust in the Lord, and you really do believe I can do all things through Christ, it's Christ that does it through you, not you. When I was learning my Spanish, I remember... It's, it's a funny, it's a family thing, I guess. But I said, you know, Lord, I'll make a deal with you. You read it in the Bible. I think Abraham said that a few times. Let's make a deal, I said. If you let me learn Spanish, I'll do my part. So I took my English-speaking Bible and I put it away. I only used the Spanish Bible. Now, the funny thing is, I said, Lord, I'm going to pray all I can in Spanish. I started with one word a day. And it was Amen. <laughs> but little by little the Lord let me learn a little bit more because I went to a home for children an orphanage in Mexico and that's why I started picking up some of the words the first words I learned were what everyone learns in every language because the kids thought it was funny that I didn't understand when they would swear so you can imagine what I learned first <laughs> did you learn those two first? I'll ask you later your mom because you're filming it I think yeah just typing but so I started learning. So the Lord helped me because I put my part into it. Because I really think if we ask the Lord to bless us, we have to do our part too. What's our part? Whatever we're able to do. I do believe in that. And little by little, I started learning Spanish. I got to a point where I could ask directions. I couldn't understand them. <laughs> I understand left and right, and I couldn't remember which was the left or right. But that's okay. <laughs> Being dyslexic doesn't help either. I was with these Canadian visitors in the Mexican border, and we're trying to find the border. So I could ask directions, but I couldn't understand. They didn't understand Spanish. I just walked over every you know, block and asked again, a block and asked again. It was funny. <laughs> but the Lord led me not to, not to Peru, to Bolivia. Bolivia. Because first I was at a Christian theater company where we do Christian plays through South America. We live by faith. What we received by love offerings, we could go to the next city. And that's basically changed by love. We literally live by faith. Since we're not a traditional... Now you might want to throw me out now. Since we're not a traditional mission group, I didn't know you had to go to a missionary school to be a missionary. I didn't know you had to go to the university to get a degree. No offense. <laughs> to get a degree to be a missionary. Seriously, I just learned that. Later on in life, I learned that you're supposed to do that. I didn't know that. I just knew that God said go. So I went. I graduated from high school and I went. That's the fun part. But I started off in Bolivia, not Peru. Because mm -hmm. we were going down to cross uh, Lake Titicaca, and I felt the Lord say, I'm going to call you here. So after five years being in the ministry, and I said, okay, Lord, fine. I went to Bolivia to start working for over 11 years. We worked a lot in the countryside with the Quechos and Aymaras, which is a different language than Spanish. It was interesting, they even got to work with cannibals. People don't think there's cannibals in Bolivia. There mm -hmm. are cannibals in Bolivia. I've talked with them. We've planted churches with them. Really yeah. interesting. And I'm not talking jungle. I'm talking high plains. Mm -hmm. I'm talking 12,000 feet high. It's really interesting how the Lord took a boy from a broken home who has dyslexia, whose father was an alcoholic, and brought him to do ministry and to plant churches. It's a God thing, actually, you know? Yeah. 
I know it's hard to understand what the Bible said. Well, the Bible's easy actually to understand. You follow Jesus. You do what he said. That's the easy part. The hard part is, is when we try and you know take a magnifying glass and try and pick out every little letter in it. The Bible is very simple. Believe in Jesus Christ <coughs> as your Lord and Savior. That's it. And he will walk with us as we go. He doesn't promise an easy walk. But he promises to be with us and walk with us as our best friend. And that's how I was able to get into the countryside and work in Quechua Aymara. And work with these people and plant churches, stop a church from going into cannibalism. That was all a God thing. He used the person who was just open to his word. I remember going to a camp. It was like a, oh, only about a three or four hour walk in. It was close. Getting there, I'm going, so who's preaching at this three day conference? And they're going, oh, we don't know. And they said, oh, brother, you want to preach three days at a conference? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Grab my Bible. I said, okay, Lord, now what? Quickly turning it into preaching at a Bolivian conference, you have to understand, it's not like preaching here in the States. In the States, you all don't know how to preach. In a Bolivian area, in the countryside where I would go, mm. you start after breakfast, then you go till lunch. Then after lunch, you go till dinner. Then you preach at night. If you notice, I didn't say there's any breaks. It's full preaching is what they want. Full teaching is what they want. That's how hungry these people were for the Word of God. And some kid with a high school education. But God is good. And another verse that helped me through my life and helped me to this day in Isaiah. 41.10 Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, will help thee. Yea, will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Those Bible verses haunt me to this day. They're with me because of the things that we're doing. Working in Bolivia, I, the Lord said, go, so I went. I'm, uh, a pastor friend said, if you come to Bolivia, come to my home. Okay. So basically, got rid of everything. This is terrible. My grandmother died, so I had enough money to get to Bolivia. So I got to Bolivia, went to the pastor, and he said, here I am, Lord. And all of a sudden, these doors started opening up. Or I was actually falling over. Because all of a sudden, I was working with the National Church, Christian Church there. I was working with the youth all over Bolivia. Working in the countryside. Some kid from California. Broken home, dyslexia. Father was an alcoholic. I remember my dad usually drinking. In the morning, he had his coffee with whiskey, Irish coffee. It was more whiskey than coffee, but there you go. He said it was because mm -hmm. he was cold. It was 100 degrees outside. But the Lord can take anybody. It doesn't matter what age you are. To take anybody to serve Him where you're supposed to go. God will show you. It might be at home. Just staying at home. Doing a ministry from home. Might be doing house churches. God will use you in whatever way you let Him. And then the Lord said one day, Have I got news for you? And I thought, what? He said, I want you to go to Peru. So, Lord, we sold everything we had in Bolivia. Literally, we sold everything. And we brought, we brought our dogs with us. Can't leave. You can't sell your dogs. <laughs> Don't ask me how we... God is good. Because we, we went by bus to, to Peru with our dogs. <coughs> we had two dogs. We got to the border. And I remember the border. And our, we had this one dog. Our dog didn't know he was a dog. He thought he was a person. An Irish setter. So he's sticking his head out the window looking at the people passing by and everything. And, you know, Irish said it's a really small dog, too. 
the border guard gets up. You have to understand the border guard didn't want Aaron to come in. For some reason, not everyone else could come in except my son Aaron. Border guards. Uh, he wanted you to pay him. Probably. <laughs> some border guards, I think, are from the devil, actually. You always have to pray when, yeah. you, when you cross borders, seriously. <clears throat> and so all of a sudden, this mean old border guard walks up, starts walking down the aisle of the bus, and all of a sudden, my dog was just kind of laid down, got very quiet. And where the table is, is where I'm standing, is where the border guard stood. He looked around and walked out. He didn't see the dogs. See, God cares about the small things in life, too. He knew that our dogs were, were our family. And they watched out for my kids. So we got to go to Peru. And it was funny because the Lord said he would bring us to a place about the beach area. So guess where I live? Life is tough. Mm. I live a block from the beach now. <laughs> and we work with fishermen. These fishermen, they, they, they fish in reed boats. They basically look like a canoe. And they're for one person only. And I would not want to be in one of these things in the ocean. I mean, these guys are brave. But the sad thing is, in the area that the Lord led us to, there was no Christian witness there. That's why he decided, if you're going to do mission work, go where there's nothing. That's where we went. And, we, and I remember that my grandfather passed away then. People have to die to do things sometimes. I don't know why. But I was at the small inheritance. So we figure, why not... Why not um, buy a house, Lord bless us with a very dirt cheap house, and then we had enough money to be able to go back to the States to raise support to do a breakfast program. Because the fishermen don't eat. If there's no fishing, they don't eat really. And like today's Mother's Day. So what do you think they're doing? The mothers are cooking. Because that's what mothers are supposed to do. They cook, clean, and everyone gets drunk today. They probably started on Friday. So drinking is very strong there. Witchcraft is very strong there where we are. They're very humble people. But I remember driving up this one area where they didn't have um, sewage yet. And water was like every two or three blocks had like a water tank where you get your water from. I remember driving up there going, hi, you guys don't know me. And nothing will probably ever happen. But just in case something should happen, you might have to take a picture of your kid. Because we're thinking about, we won't have him, but can I take a picture of your kid for a breakfast program? And they said, yes. Now we laugh about it. Because what would you do if some stranger, foreigner, walked up to you and go, can I have a picture of your kids, please? You know, can I have your information of them? Yeah. Sure, I'll take a birth certificate with me. What would you do? I mean, I would, you know, I would say, no. But they did. And also we had a line of over 50 kids line up. It was the weirdest thing. I went to the States to just start knocking on doors, saying, Lord, we need 50 sponsors to start this breakfast program at $20 a month. And I remember walking blindly and all of a sudden we got it we went back and we started a breakfast program we have over around 80 kids are coming right now the mothers prepare breakfast once a month they get there at 5 30 in the morning and our breakfast consists of like a sandwich we have egg sandwiches tuna fish sandwiches butter sandwiches jam sandwiches bologna sandwiches milk oatmeal drink we don't eat oatmeal we drink our oatmeal there with fruit and everything and that's what we do monday through friday and it's amazing. I, I laugh because I'm thinking, how does God do this? How does all this work together? Well, Christ is the center of everything. He promises to give us strength if we wait on Him to guide us. And that's what we did. And now we started a small little bakery that we're hopefully praying that it will work well. We only bake healthy foods. I think you should only eat healthy food. I'm a firm believer of it. So we only bake things like red velvet cakes, German chocolate <laughs> cakes, <laughs> double chocolate cakes. Mm. Only healthy food we'll bake at the bakery. 
Don't you feel good when you eat a double chocolate Coca-Cola cake? I feel oh strong, dude. The other day I bought some vitamins for some kids that I was with. They said, you guys need your vitamins. And like, we already had ours today. I said, no, you didn't. Break out the Oreo double stuff, you know. <laughs> they love their vitamins now. <laughs> but that's what we do. We work with the kids. We And the reason, the church started, we have around 20, 25 people. It started because we were loving on their kids. And they would ask, why are you doing this? Because we're not political. It's the love of Christ in us that does this. And they're blown away. A lot of people don't like us, but they tolerate us. Because we feed their children. Because we preach against um, getting drunk, cheating on your wife, mm-hmm. things like that. They don't like that. Because they're good mm-hmm. about having two or three days of drinking. And since we don't preach about that, and they don't like it, but they still tolerate us. And I think that's God's grace working. I can walk around there 10, 11 o'clock at night, or my wife, and nothing happens to us. They watch out for us. If you ever want to come and visit us, <laughs> I will know everything you guys do in our area. I don't know how much fish, if you buy fish, I don't know how much, you, how, I will know how much you paid for it. I don't even know if it's fresh or not. <laughs> because if people watch out. But that's a God thing. Because our hope and our trust is in the Lord. It's amazing to see how the love of Christ works in the people's lives. But we don't just do breakfast. It's, let's say we get Brother Bill, let's just say we drive our cars over him a few times. Then we'll toss him in the lake about, you know, five minutes in the lake. Then we'll drive our cars over him again. You can kick him if you want. Well, we'll take him to the emergency ward here in the States, uh, to the hospital, closest hospital. They'll take care of them, won't they? They have to, because then the wife will come by and go, you didn't take care of my husband, you let him die? She'll take him to court and win billions of dollars. Oh, she could use it for missions. That'd be a good idea, though. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. <laughs> Let's try another way. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Oh, bummer. Yeah. Okay. But in Peru, they'll go, okay, who's paying for him? Oh, we need gloves. Go buy gloves. I need size seven. If you buy seven and a half, they won't take them. You literally buy everything for your patients. We got a kid in there for appendicitis. 2.30 in the morning, we finally get him in. Because when the doctors get tired or they get in a bad mood or <coughs> want to have a coffee break, they won't operate. When you think it's life and death, they won't operate. Trust me, I've been there already. Mm-hmm. And so we finally get him pushed in, and then nurse runs out. She goes, where's the anesthesia? And I said, the what? The anesthesia. You didn't buy the anesthesia. I said, don't you, don't you give the anesthesia? <laughs> you would think hospital operation, they do the anesthesia. No, at 2.30 in the morning, the fourth largest city in Chiclayo, I'm walking around. You know what walking around Chiclayo at 2.30 in the morning can be? I'm praying the whole way. Going to different pharmacies that are closed, trying to find one that sells the exact kind the doctors want. If you don't buy the exact kind, they won't accept it. It's a power thing. So I remember finding this lady. She was really nice. The medicine is supposed to be 15. She charged me 15. But what do you do at 2.30 in the morning, life and death? So we don't just do breakfast with the children. We stay at the hospital. All hours sometimes we, we wake up at the hospital. Because part of it is showing the love of God. And yes, I'll admit we do bribe. I mean, we do offer soda pop to the nurses or doctors sometimes so we can get them to be with the patient. If you were 13 years old, wouldn't you want someone to be with you? When you're getting an enema, for example? They won't let the parents in, but they would let me in. And walking with an IV, walking around, because you're supposed to walk around after you get those terrible things. So he walked around a while, because the nurse wouldn't walk around with him. But she told him he had to walk around. 
So I'm walking around with an IV. Finally, he says, let's go. So you walk over to the bathroom and, you know, that's what life is in Peru. So we don't just do breakfast with these children. Mm-hmm. We do a lot more. Sometimes the kids will come to us during the day and go, got any stale bread? Well, I don't know about y'all, but I will not give stale bread to a child. I will give the child what I want to eat. And I prefer fresh bread, I'll be honest. Have I eaten stale bread? Oh, yeah. That's why I prefer fresh. <laughs> Because we teach them when we show them, we only give them what we will eat. The breakfast that they eat is the breakfast I would feed my children. And yes, someone brought bad tuna, bought some really cheap tuna fish once. It's really terrible stuff. We threw it away. And I said, we will not give this to your children. Because I don't like it. Really? I said, yeah. You know, be real. They have to eat what I want to eat. So they see that we do love them. Why? And they ask us again, why are you this way? Because I lo- because Jesus loves you. Jesus is in me. That's how we share the gospel, by doing things for them, showing the love of Christ. Sure, some take advantage of it. Of course, they're human. What do you expect? Who, the only one person that was perfect in this world, we crucified him with our sins. So what can you expect from someone else? That's basically what we do. And the Bible verses that really minister to me is the Isaiah one. Philippians 4.13 because it's a God thing that can do this if I could choose anywhere in the world to live I can tell you exactly where I would live my son knows this place it's a place called Camp Meeker, California it's in the middle of a redwood forest in a redwood cabin mm-hmm. it's an A-frame cabin where I kind of grew up with my grandma I kid you not you don't know what heaven's like go to California go to the redwood forest you get a glimpse of heaven mm-hmm. no offense to the beautiful it's beautiful here Green. no offense <laughs> but I'll take a redwood forest any day but am I fine living in Peru? Of course, because I have, I have God has given me grace and God has given me peace to live where I live. Okay, don't tell Jonathan I said this. I think Pimentel is kind of ugly, actually. My son likes it. I think it's kind of ugly. There's no trees. I mean, when you grow up with redwood trees, that are how, how big are these redwood trees? 230 feet. Yeah, that's a tree. That's a real tree. But these little puny little things, toothpicks, you know? But God is good. Because where God calls you to go, He gives you peace. Mm-hmm. And He promises to be there with you. The only reason I come to the States is because I feel God calls me to come to the States to raise funds for His ministry. <coughs> I can say it's, it's not my ministry, it's His ministry. I'm just a worker. He's the one that's in charge of it. Not me. My son and my nephew are going to have little cards after his prayer cards. Look on our website. Check out the check out the pictures. The little cards are small because we were given them. We don't like to spend money on, on paper. We like to spend money on children. Yeah. We like to spend money on lives for Christ. And it blows me away that, that Jonathan, who lived with us, stories I can tell you about him, but just wait. When, when you know who's not around, I'll tell you more stories about him. <laughs> It's amazing how God changes lives. And I think as Christians, we're called to look at the positive things of life. Not the negatives, there's so much. Am I right? There's so much negative stuff going on in the world. Why can't we focus on God's blessings? On God changing people's lives? We have this one lady, Virginia. She's been a Christian for about seven, eight years now. She's just starting to bloom in the Lord. She learned how to read through the ministry. Because most of the people that we work with barely can finish grammar school. 
And now she's starting to grow and she's hungry for the word. It takes sometimes a while for that seed to germinate. And I am not patient. But you have to wait on the Lord. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with the wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. That's another... The Bible is full of so many good Bible verses. <laughs> My goodness. I mean, you talk about the Bible, what, I have like four hours only or something? Uh, I think they think we ought to limit it to that, yeah. Okay, only four. There's so much you can talk. You can never finish. Actually, you can never finish a sermon because there's always more to add on to it. There's always more to say about it. God is so good in blessing us. And then someone came down and said, do you mind if we help you build a, a small apartment, a one-bedroom apartment and uh, a little cafe? 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 Mm-hmm. Cafe? Oh, my English throws me sometimes. Downstairs, so now we have a little. And I said, "Oh, okay, twist my arm, you know." So now we're able to get free internet to the kids do their homework because we're trying to keep them in school. So now we have an hour, two hours every day they can do free internet for their homework because the teachers give them so much homework on internet to these people who don't have anything because they want to fail them. Because uh, is there any teachers here? Okay, let me teach you how to teach. What they do is they, they, they give them a lot of homework that they can't do so they can get bribe them afterwards. Because then they'll go, so what do you do? What does your parents do for a living? Oh, they're fishermen. You know what? Your grade's bad, but if you bring me two pounds of shark meat or another kind of fish, don't worry, you'll pass. Yeah, it's true. Even in the universities, by the way. Well, what they do with the university teachers, you usually have to take them out and feed them and make them get drunk. It's true. So we're fighting against that. So if we can give them free internet, that helps them stay in school. And then we have, we try and find one of the kids to run the internet, so he makes a little money on the side. This past summer, we had a 10-year-old running it. He was so happy. One day, we were going out to buy some chicken. He's like, can I come? I got my money. He was so proud that he earned mm-hmm. his money. And we learned with the bakery, it helps their self-esteem grow because they produce something that people like. I don't know about Joe, but you look at some of these cakes these kids make. Our red velvet cake, we don't just make a red velvet cake. We make a red velvet cake. Y'all know what it is, right? Yes. <coughs> no, you don't. <laughs> we make a, oh, ganache? A ganache. ganache. Yes. We make a ganache, we pour it over it afterwards. After you frost it, we pour chocolate ganache on it. That's a red velvet cake. Wow. Yeah, it is so good. <laughs> if you're nice, wine, you can have a piece. <laughs> She's coming to visit us with you know who. <laughs> but that builds her self-esteem up. But it's hard working with the kids because they see that their fathers are bums who only fish when they want to, who prefer drinking and sitting on the street corners and gossiping. That's why we try and bring the word of God to them and share with them. We get together, especially once a year with the women, share what a good godly woman is. But a godly woman, that means your life is centered on Christ. It goes for men too. It goes for anybody, actually. Think about it. When our life is centered on Christ, He guides us and helps us through tough times. And there's a song that we sing that we can have peace in a torment. Because He doesn't this, He doesn't say it's going to be easy. Who lied? But I like to think our Christian walks like a bed of roses. Think about it. Roses are beautiful, aren't they? They're gorgeous, these roses. Oh, I love walking through rose gardens. But they're thorny, but you have to know how to prune them. If you don't prune them right, you won't get the good flowers. 
It's true. There's a certain way. It's a fifth flower, fifth leaf. You have to prune. But you also have to use a little bit of fertilizer. You know what that is, don't you? You have to know how to water. You have to know how to take care of that rose to make it beautiful. I remember my mother-in-law. She she had some big old rose bushes before she was my mother-in-law, and she and my and they always talk about how big the roses used to be. Well, she never pruned them. So I guess because my wife was like, you know, I kind of like this guy. I said, yeah, I'll help you work the garden. So we just massacred her garden. I think my mother-in-law was thinking of killing her, taking me out, taking me out or something. <laughs> but when the roses started blooming, they started they started saying how the roses were big again. Jeez. <coughs> See, as a Christian. We need to be pruned every once in a while. And God knows the best way to do it, even though we don't like it. He knows what we need to grow and to be more beautiful. Isn't that exciting? And yes, there are thorns, because if you mess with a Christian, you're in trouble. If you want to mess with somebody, make sure they're not a Christian. That's what I tell people. Don't mess with the Christians. Because sooner or later, God does. Something does happen to that person. I'm not saying I'm proud of it, but God does watch out for his own. And those of you who have children or when they may get married and have children, I bet you if someone came to hurt your child, you would defend it with your life, wouldn't you? You would take mm -hmm. a bullet for your child, wouldn't you? If you say no, then you shouldn't have children. Mm -hmm. Jesus died on the cross for us. That's how much he loves us. And yes, he will take care of us. And the moment I think we need the most care is when we're on our, on our deathbed. Because when a Christian dies, we die and we know where we're going. Isn't that great? We know where we're going with him. There's not that, oh, am I going to go? Am I not going to go? Or should I help that old lady cross the street? <laughs> or why did I why did I think bad thoughts about Bill the other day? Oh, because he ate all my strawberries. But I wonder if God's going to be mad about that or am I not going to get to heaven now? We don't have to worry about that with Jesus. It's not a coin toss if we're going to heaven or not. Because the Bible says we just trust on Him and believe on Him. And this is the message we share with the people there. Because the people in our area, they don't have that hope. They just think, oh, whatever. Maybe that's why they drink so much. Because when we want our hope in Jesus Christ, we don't need to drink to feel peace. We just trust on Him. But that's just what I wanted to share with you. Just, have, just briefly about the ministry and share a little bit about the <coughs> Word with you. What God has done in my life. Like I said, am I perfect? Of course not. I'll be perfect when I get to heaven. And if I'm on my deathbed, may I be wanting to read the word of God to know just a little bit more before I go when I see him. Because until we're in heaven, we're called to, to read his word and study more about it. If you have any questions afterwards about us, you want to say, I want to come and visit you. Come and talk to us. Talk to me. Spanish, English, no problem. <laughs> I do better in Spanish sometimes. You know. But come and talk. You want prayer? Come and talk. You want to know more about Peru? Come and talk. But what we do with the kids? Come and talk. It's wonderful working with the kids there. And it's coming back to the States is like major culture shock for me. Mm -hmm. Apart from the prices, things are so expensive here. Well, some things are so cheap. But other things like, you know, in, in Peru you can hug the kids, right? You can strangle them. You can kick them. I mean, it's wonderful. <laughs> Here you can't do that anymore, I guess. You have to be nice to them. And at a distance. It's terrible. There, if they misbehave, you just, you know, the mothers come up to me, fathers go, if they misbehave, just smack them. And I'm like, you hear that? I can smack you. We don't smack them, though. Most of the time. 
But it's just, it's wonderful working out in Peru. Because you can hug on them, love on them, and show the love of Christ. When I have to jump down one of their throats, one of these throats, the other had to jump down his throat because he did something really bad. You just, you put your arm around them, you hug them hard, say, I love you, but. And my kids know when I start using, because everyone has nicknames there. But when you mm-hmm. use their first name and you hug them and you're saying, I love you, but, they know they're in trouble. <laughs> How do they respond? They say, thank you afterwards, and they hug you. And when you come to visit us, in faith I'm talking, mm-hmm. when you come to visit us, you'll not know what kids I've had to talk strongly to. Or I've had to go to their home and talk to their parents about the child. You'll not be able to pick these kids out. Why? Because they know that it's Jesus loving them through us. And I think as we love people, we need to love them through Jesus Christ. That it's Jesus' love that's showing through us as we love these children. And as we love on one another and share the gospel to one another. Everybody here has a calling in their life. What it is, I don't know. Talk to God about it. Some of them graduated in full honors. What's God going to do with you? Wow, I want to know. <laughs> and some of them are just staying home, raising a family. I think that's the harder, actually. <laughs> staying home and raising kids. No, fa- oh, sorry. No offense. It's not easy raising kids. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's Oh, actually, it's harder to raise the parents, I think, than the kids. I always joke with my mom, it's hard to raise mothers. It is. You try to train them right, they just don't listen. And I tell my mom, Mom, Mother's Day, you should be thanking me. Because I'm your son. I'm the one that, the reason why you're a mother. But seriously, when you think of Peru, pray. When you hear Spanish, pray for Peru. Pray for the ministry there. These people are, are closed. They're bound by sin. Drinking is a family reunion time. That's normal for kids to sit around and drink. The parents encourage their kids to drink. And I'm talking about 13, 14-year-olds. That's normal. You can grab a 10-year-old and send him off to buy beer if you want. The parents encourage their kids to drink. So that's that's what we deal with. We, ha- we don't have any people play music in our church anymore. Because we had some of our music people and the parents would stand be- in the back of the church or they'd send a family member to come and they would call at them as they're playing a musical instrument. And they had to stop what they were doing and go out to see what they want so they wouldn't be beaten. They do everything they can. When our youth start getting more serious with the Lord, the parents and the family do everything they can so they won't come to church anymore. They'll send them off 12 hours away to Lima, the capital city. They'll send them down to sleep with Grandma who needs someone to stay with her. It's an all-out war, basically, is what we're at, where we're at right now. You're my thinking, that's impossible. No, it's true. There were two little girls last year who were beaten because they wouldn't bow down to worship Mary. They said, we learned in the Bible that you're not supposed to do that at our Bible club. And so the father beat the little girls until they would do it. A mother who was growing in the Lord, they dr- the mother-in-law with the mom and I think the dad drug her out of her room and poured beer down her throat, forced her to get drunk. I mean, literally poured it down. So she won't come to church anymore. Now you can walk down the street. They'll say hi to you. Because that's part of the culture. But that's what we're up against. It's not an easy battle. Sometimes you just have to sit back. And when I get when I get really stressed out. I'll start looking at rubber trees. Or I'll sneak off to Starbucks. <laughs> sit in a little corner. Air conditioning. And just drink coffee. And just kind of fritz out for a while. Because it's hard. Because you can't. What do you do with a father who beats his kids? We're not in the United States of America. 
And if I try to prove that, I'll be the one that gets thrown in jail. Not them. We went to the police station the other, or about a year, a year and a half ago. Because the father beat his kid with an electrical cord, his two kids. The grandmother was upset at the police because she said, well, what did the kids do to be beaten like that? They deserved it. And I'm thinking, I wish I had an electrical cord right now. Hmm. And I looked at her and I said, God created the, the bum, the, el potito? The backside to be spanked. That's the right <laughs> word now. Nowhere else, and by the hand, I said, by the way. But she thought it was perfectly normal to beat the kids. Mm-hmm. The kids were in shorts, t-shirt, hadn't eaten for over four or five hours. They didn't eat lunch that day. They were cold, no shoes on, but they are worried about her son and her grandchildren. It's a, it's a wonderful culture, but there's some twerks in it. Because Christ is not the center of their lives. And that's why they're trying to teach them and show them that Christ is the center of their lives. So pray for Peru. Pray for us as we do our, as we're serving the Lord there. And if you had vacation time, you don't know where to go, come and visit us. We'd love to have, we live a block from the beach though, life is tough. We have fresh fish, fresh seafood and everything about five minutes from us. If you don't like that stuff, then don't worry about it. <laughs> But pray about coming to visit us. We would love to have you come down just to hang out with us. I'd think about it if you brought some cake, wouldn't you, that I could sample? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to bake some today, but he would let me. <laughs> we didn't come down. I'll let you sample some stuff down there. <laughs> but pray about it. The need is not the call. There's need all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. What's the call is what God puts on your heart. And that's what I always tell people who want to support the ministry. I say, talk to God about it first. See what he says. You want to visit us? Talk to God about it. Because it's, it's, you don't want to go where God doesn't want you to be. And it's better to be on the front line in, in all-out war, in God's will, than back home in a redwood forest. Trust me, it's true. Because wherever you are, you'll have peace about it. Trusting in him. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Bill. Are there any questions you'd like to ask before you leave? Any questions you want? What? No questions. Do you remember a specific uh, point in your adolescence or childhood when you accepted Christ, or was it just kind of a... 13 years old. I accepted Christ. I was out out in a national forest. I think it was in Las Vegas, sitting at a bench. In the night, with the, and the night was full of stars. I remember. Is that Las Vegas? <coughs> well, there's a national park near there. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just joking. Why was it Las Vegas? <laughs> I've never been. Uh, well, I have landed there. Oh, there yeah. you go. Any other questions? Thought machine. Bill, how did you sense the uh, the move from Bolivia to Peru? How was God speaking to you going through that? That's a good question. I just felt the Lord said, I want you to go to Peru. I said, okay. I said, honey, we're going to Peru. She said, what? My wife's Peruvian. Because the way was that we would live in Bolivia until the Lord takes us home. Because I believe, as the Lord has called me as a missionary, and the way I understand the Bible for me, is that when I die is when I stop being a missionary. Because if you look in the Bible, Moses had a good, good um, retirement plan. 
So did the disciples in King David, everybody. Dead. <laughs> so that's why you know when you're supposed to stop. So this is what the Lord said. Go. My wife's like, really? Are you sure? I said, yeah. The Lord's calling us to go to Peru. Now, mind you, I am human. I said, Lord, you got to confirm her. Before. If it's your will that we should be in Peru, I need confirmation. The confirmation was when once someone accepted the Lord as their Lord and Savior. And when another person I talked to, we dedicated his life to the Lord. That was my confirmation. So I said, Lord, I don't want to go to Peru and not have people become Christians. And that was the confirmation that God gave me. What's it like being married in Jonathan's family? Well, I mean, oh, it's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> well, there's two sides of the family. You have your Christians, uh-huh. your non-Christians, and interesting. And the interesting. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Right. Okay. I got pictures and everything. Okay. <laughs> Can you introduce the ones that came with you? I was a funny little one, but they look funny. <laughs> Marquitos, he's my nephew. And I'm staying at his house. Okay. I was going to stay over here, but I got in trouble by his mom. <laughs> She's a mean woman. <laughs> <laughs> then the, the other one, that's my son. That's Aaron. And he lives in, they both live in Roxborough. They, they live together. And... They want to come out and join me today. So it's nice having your son follow you around there. There you go. Well, Bill, thanks so much for, well, thank you. for coming. And um, we did send out the Change by Love web address. Oh, cool. So that people can, can take a look at that. Okay. Check it out. If you have questions, I'll be right there. Now, what he didn't say is that he has a Jewish lineage in his family. And so um, his son, Aaron, is planning to go to Israel and join the army in Israel. And I'm thinking, this has got adventure written all over it, right? <laughs> so um, I guess the, the, uh, the, the, the life of adventure just kind of flows down from the, into this whole, to the genes. Yeah. The army of the one. Huh? Israel, army of the one. Oh. Well, no, he's actually going to, what did you say, the IDF? Yeah. Is that the? Israeli Defense Force. Okay, Israeli Defense Force. Yeah. So he wants to do that for two years and then come back and join the Marine Corps here. Because if he has the service over there, it gets him into something faster over here. Because the Israelis know what they're doing. Anyway, that's what what he told me. are there any other questions? Mary said to call her when you're fin- about finished. Okay, you can call her. You can call her. Y'all look on page 15. Let's just have this one song to conclude. Okay.